Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Good to see all of you. Glad that you're here today. Um, I didn't go around and greet people because I'm fighting a really bad cold. And there's nothing worse than being sick on Easter Sunday. Which it kind of took me back because... Pastor David and Emily are away this weekend, which is great. Glad they could be away. Last night I started feeling much worse. And I thought, oh, well, Pastor David's away, so you can't really fill in for me. Well, Pastor Ed left Saturday morning, yesterday morning, because his mother's health is failing. Um, so you can be praying for Pastor Ed and Gail. Uh, they um, are, are down in Alabama now as they're with her. So so I said, well, Lord, you got to give me strength to make it through. And uh, he did. Our Logos class was great, John 13 and 14, and uh, we'll walk through this morning, and I hope that hopefully it'll pass by this week, and none of you will get it, and uh, and you'll have a great week. Uh, a couple announcements I just want to make, bring to your attention, um, put up here for you. First uh, is this Thursday. This Thursday is our Tanabray service, Monday, Thursday, uh, at 7 o'clock, and so we encourage you, I encourage you. It's a great way to just um, prepare your heart, prepare your mind as you get ready to approach Easter. If you just show up on Easter, while that's great and you can do that, I'd encourage you that Thursday and Friday, really prepare your hearts. And one of the ways to do that is to come and as we celebrate the Lord's Supper um, on Thursday night, but we really reflect of what that path was as those last moments as Jesus um, came. went to the cross. And so we'll be looking through uh, the book of Matthew and what Matthew records. And so it's a service of lights. And so we'll have candles and just very quiet. And so as you enter, it'll be more somber. And then as you leave, we will ask people that you not fellowship. So get all your fellowship in then today and uh, and next Sunday. But Thursday is really, really pointed. And we want to make sure that that focus is there. Uh, next Sunday, we want to invite you to Easter breakfast. If you haven't signed up yet, there's a sign up out there. Uh, also on the bulletin that Georgia sends you through the email, uh, you can click on a link there and sign up as well. Service next week starts at 10 o'clock, not 10.15. So you show up at 10.15, you've just missed a chunk of our worship time together, our celebration. So make sure that you, uh, if you don't come to breakfast and you don't have kids with the Easter egg hunt, uh, make sure that you still arrive a little early uh, as we'll start at 10 and just utilize those 15 minutes as we, uh, as we worship our Lord. And uh, just a great service, a great celebration. We do a few different things. The choir will be singing uh, three different numbers. Um, uh, Pastor David will have a children's time and, and uh, teaching time up here. That's always exciting, always fun to see the kids and, uh, and how they interact with, with Pastor David there. On, um, so hope you'll make plans to join us. And then the final announcement is the, fam- the family carnival. This is, uh, this is an outreach that we have for our community. We offer it as a free event, uh, and we need your help. And so we would just ask, there's not a sign-up yet. Uh, Ellie will, uh, just asked me this morning, uh, to announce to you, uh, more information is coming, but please put it on your calendar. Uh, and you say, well, I, I couldn't serve the whole time. If you can serve before, there's things that are going to be needed to be done beforehand and then even after uh, that 2 o'clock finish time. But we do need your help as we serve our community and provide a fun 
and safe place uh, for children and for families to come and enjoy uh, just a few hours of fun. And it's a way that we can show the love of Christ to our community. And so this is, I don't know if it's our 2017th, 18th, something like that. Uh, we've done this for many years and we've just seen it be a real blessing. And so I, I want to encourage you, please, uh, May 13th, mark the date, set that time aside if you would, um, because we do need uh, so many of you to help come and serve. Um, the duck pond is usually the favorite one because uh, you just sit there and kids pull up a duck and on the bottom it's marked how many tickets they get. Um, but some other games are a little more challenging to run, but they're not hard, all right? I promise you. And so we'll, we'll utilize uh, you and your availability uh, the best that we can. So it doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Um, again, please mark that date. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Today we kind of conclude our Characters of Faith series. We've kind of been walking through different characters of faith that we've seen recorded here in Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, today we come to this point where uh, we're going to start in verse 32 and walk through the rest of the chapter, verse 40. I'm not going to talk about each of these, but I'm going to focus on a select group, and you'll, you'll get that here in a moment. But Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 32. If you would, stand with me as we read uh, God's word. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, we'll read through verse 40. The writer of Hebrews says this, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight." Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were so, uh, sawn in two. They were killed by the, with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and the mountains and the dens and the caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Would you pray with me, Lord? We thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessing that it is to be able to read it to understand it and study it. So, Lord, as we open it and as we've read it, Lord, may you uh, help it to take root in our hearts. That it wouldn't just be words. Lord, it would be what challenges and what encourages our very faith. Lord, these are your words that you've given to us. May we eat them and gobble them up so that we may just uh, reminisce and to be able to recall and to be able to um, bring back these truths as we live each day. And so bless our time as we spend here together in this passage, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. 
so we see <clears throat> the writer of Hebrews has listed um, several other names, and it would be great to be able to walk through this. And when I was initially looking at laying out my year, I started walking through each one of these people and kind of listing out um, each one of them. And then I realized like it was going to take up my whole year if I walked through each one of these. And so we just picked certain characters of faith, but I would encourage you to go back and read these stories of the Old Testament, do a little study and, and see uh, what history tells us. And, and, uh, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs tells us some of those who gave their life and how even some were sawn in half. And again, um, it just is interesting as we read through not only the scriptures, but we look at history. For those who stood in their faith, they were willing to, to suffer whatever was going to come to them. And it challenges us, right? It challenges us to our very core. Because we've lived in a, in a time and in a nation most of us have lived in a place where, where we haven't been asked a whole lot or haven't had to give up a whole lot. While we may have been ridiculed, we might have been made fun of, I, I don't see any of you missing an ear yet or none of you are missing an arm or toes. They haven't been cut off yet because you were, you were persecuted or because you were being tortured. Uh, we, we've, had, we've had it really easy and really good, Amen. And so when you read through this, and, and, and the writer of Hebrews helps us to see, man, people really endured a lot, a lot for the cause of Christ, for the cause of God. Now, Christ hasn't shown up in the Old Testament yet, but there's this promise from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, the promise of a coming Messiah, the one who would, who, who would deliver people from their sin who would defeat Satan. Even though his heel would be bruised, he would ultimately crush Satan. It starts in the book of Genesis. And so we see all throughout these promises of the coming Messiah, the coming Christ. Then we come to this, this pass, this, this um, ending of this passage in verse 39 and 40. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Verse 39 says, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. And so all of these people, and we kind of saw back in verse 13, that all these died in faith, not having received the things promised. And so it led me on an adventure to say, okay, what was promised? When you go back and you read the Old Testament and these stories what was promised to Abraham? What was promised to Sarah? What was promised to Moses and to Rahab? Was it just their, their deliverance at that time? Oh, was, Rahab, we promise that we will protect you. And so she put that scarlet um, thread out her window. And so sh she knew that she would be uh, safe and be delivered. Or was there something more? Was there something more that Gideon, when he went out to battle, that, that he was promised more than just winning that battle? We look at these great people and their great face and, and how they lived for God. But the text tells us here that there was something better that they had not yet received. What was that? Verse 40 says, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect 
so as I looked for this, these promises, it, it led me to Hebrews chapter 9. So if you have your Bible, you can just flip back a page or two. But Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, um, says this, Therefore, he, meaning Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. There is a mediator of a new covenant. His name is Jesus Christ. And ultimately, he came so that those who are called may receive what? The promised eternal inheritance. And so when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, and we see verse 39, all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. They had not yet received the promise of the eternal inheritance. That ultimately, that was going to come through Jesus Christ. Jesus hadn't come yet in the Old Testament saints. And yet here was the promise of the Messiah. And as Jesus walked into Jerusalem on the day that we celebrate today, Passover Sunday, he is fulfilling what the prophets had told of old. That 400, 500, 700 years earlier, the things that were written down about the coming Messiah, Jesus was literally fulfilling. As he walked in and fulfilled the promises that we see in Zechariah and Daniel and Zephaniah. Here he is, the coming Messiah, Jesus, walking in, and the people are proclaiming, Hosanna, Hosanna, the one who has come to deliver us. And yet, they didn't fully understand. Because some of those same people were the ones who would later in just a few days be crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus came as the promised better covenant, better than the first. He came as the mediator, the one who would go on our behalf, our mediator. Do you know that you realize that you need a mediator? Sometimes Lisa and I maybe have needed a, medi a mediator between us, right? Sometimes between our kids and us. You need somebody to stand in the gap and say, hey, can you tell my kids what I really am saying? Because they're not getting it. Or in the other sense where Lisa's like, can you please tell my husband what he really needs to hear? Jesus is that mediator. He goes on our behalf before the God of all creation. The God who formed us and fashioned us in our mother's womb and placed us here. That through Adam has been passed down a sinful nature, a condition of our heart where we are sinners and we rebel against the perfect God. And here we are in opposition to God and there stands a mediator, one who goes on our behalf before God, the Father, and says, this is my child, I died for them. How awesome is that? That we have a mediator who has brought to us the promise of eternal inheritance. This is the promise that we see that the Old Testament saints didn't receive yet. I believe that they weren't there in heaven that ultimately wasn't until Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again that he lifted them from Abraham's bosom and, and, and then they were resurrected into the presence of the Father. 
here is a passage that helps support that because we see that since God provided something better for us, the writer says, for us, what's that better? What, what do we have better that Abraham didn't have? Do you understand how good we have it? I say that to my kids sometimes. Do you understand how good you really have it? Man, and we want that for our kids. That's why we give it to them, right? Like, do you understand? McDonald's was a treat, man. And we wouldn't get ever get Happy Meals. That was a ripoff back then. You wouldn't get a Happy Meal. You were happy if you got a small fry and a cheeseburger. Man, that was living the life. That was luxury. Now you go to Taco Bell and you get this big box and you're like, oh, I don't know if this is enough food. Here, we have something better. The text tells us that as we live today, we've been given a great gift. We live in a day and an age, which, by the way, let me pause for a second. Did you dictate when you were going to be born? Did you, did you, by the way, did you tell God where you wanted to be born, what family you wanted to be born, where, your location? Did you dictate all that? The truth is, no, you didn't, all right? God orchestrated that. God ordained that. Before the beginning of time, he had it all planned out. And that just doesn't make us pawns that he just moves us around and we don't have any thought or we don't have any will or to choice uh, to choose. We have all of that. But God is so big. He is so awesome. He has given us this great opportunity that we live here at this time, at this place. We've been given a gift. And that gift is this. Jesus Christ has come. The Messiah has come. And he has suffered and he died and he was buried and he rose again three days later. That is the gift the Messiah, the one who is going to save not only Israel, but the nations of the world has come. It's not that we are waiting for him to come. He has already come. Do you understand what a gift that is? How awesome that is that we can live at this time and at this place, that it's not just a promise that God says and he tells the Old Testament saints, which to me strengthens their faith much greater. They had, I think they had a greater faith than I did. That the promises of the coming Messiah, the one who would be coming, but we live on this side of history where we see the, 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 the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God who's been, who's been declared and who has given to us eternal life. What a gift that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, the saints are in heaven and we will one day join them. That's where the next verse of chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. See, it's not that they're, <clears throat> some people take this as, oh, they're looking down on us. I don't think the Old Testament saints and I don't think any saints that have gone before us are looking down on us. I think they're 
focused on one man, his name is Jesus, and they're in heaven, all right? One of the reasons why is because I don't believe there's tears in heaven. You think about what people would think and how they would feel as they looked down upon us and saw what they would see today. I think they're worshiping God. I think they're glorifying God today. But there is a great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us, who give us not only examples, but it gives us encouragement and it gives us strength that we are able to continue in our faith walk. Just as they gave and were some of them willing to give of their life, so it is worth us in giving our lives to follow Jesus. It's interesting when you look at the Greek in verse 39. It says, uh, and all these, though commended through their faith, Ultimately, the Greek says it this way, and all testify through the faith, and all bear witness through the faith. We've seen this term over and over again in our study through John of the bearing witness. John bears witness of Jesus. He's testifying that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus bears witness of the Father. He testifies of who the Father is. He shows the Father. All these, the writer of Hebrews is saying, all these that he's just recorded earlier in verse uh, or chapter 11, all these testify through faith. Not receiving back, not getting back the promise. So all these are testifying, they're bearing witness through faith, but they didn't receive back the promise. Here we live in a day and age today, not only do we get to see Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection from this time in history, but we've been given a helper. We have the spirit of the living God who resides in us. The promise of the helper who has come and who lives and resides in each one of his children. These all testify, they bear witness through their faith, not receiving back the promise. Yet we, excuse me, <coughs> we get the promise. And not only the promise of Jesus, of his death, burial, and resurrection, and not only the Holy Spirit who resides and lives inside of us to help us and to guide us and to direct us, but we have also this promise of eternal life. We have, we can expect to receive what Hebrews 9 verse 15, the promised eternal inheritance. So when you look at your life and you examine and think through your faith and the great privilege that we have of living on this side of history, that we've been given something greater. How do you view Jesus? When you look at Jesus, is it just, oh man, he's my savior. 
He gave his life for me. I believe that he bled and died on a cross. He was buried and rose again three days later. I believe I'm going to heaven because of what he did. Those are all great things. But I ask you, how do you view him? Is he the most intimate being that you would ever want to be with? Or is he just another person? God desires for us to live out our faith as these in chapter 11 have lived out their faith. Even though they didn't see the Christ, they saw him coming. There was the promise of his coming. We have seen the Christ. He has come. He has suffered. He has died. He has rose again. And he has promised that he is going to come again. So if he came the first time, do you believe he's going to come the second time? Do you get a little excited about that? So when you view Jesus, are you viewing your life and you view him as, uh, okay, here's my ticket to heaven? Or do you view him as, I owe you everything, Jesus, and so I want to do everything I can in this day, in this day ahead, because I owe you my life. And so I'm not going to live according to what I want to do, Lord. I'm going to lay my life down because ultimately you laid your life down and here's my life. Is that the way you view Jesus? Is he worthy of having every aspect of your life? He is. The second is, does your life testify of Jesus? Or does your life testify of you? Of your family? Of what a good person you are? Of what you're trying to do? The writer of Hebrews tells us that ultimately... All of these testified through their faith. Understand that it took their faith. Their faith was what testified about who they were. What is your faith showing? Who are you testifying about? That's why often we see in scripture, do not worry, do not be anxious for anything, but in all things, give thanks to God. As we think of the glorious God that we serve and that we say that we love, how is our faith testifying about him? It's difficult. It's challenging at times. But let me encourage you. Here we have such a great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us, who show us, and others that we can read about and that we can study about, Others who have gone and lived their life of faith that we can say it was worth it. These people God used in a mighty way. God, would you use me in a some small way in that way? It's, it, is, it begins with our belief and our faith. What's your faith testify of? And then finally, do you, do you see the promise? Do you see the promise? Not only the promise of man, I stand before God declared right, not because of what I've done, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only do I get declared as his child, but I also have the, the living God who resides in me, helping me, guiding me if I'll only just listen to him. But man, I have this promise that this life is not all there is. 
And yet we often get up each day thinking and being motivated by this life that we're living. We get hung up on, on our clothes and what we're going to wear or what car we're going to drive or who we're going to marry or, or, or what, what we're going to do in our lives and our job. We get hung up on so many things and some of them are important and God knows that. But we get hung up because we don't see the promise of an eternal inheritance. And let me encourage you, if God has promised to take care of you, he will take care of you. Amen? And if that means you get sawn in half for his glory, are you willing to do that? Well, I was willing to do that. <laughs> let me see here. I don't know if I can go that far. There are trials. There are struggles. There's persecution waiting ahead of us. But we can count it all joy, knowing that the testing of our faith. And so we plead and we ask for God, God, would you, would you give me the faith to trust you? Even when I can't see it, even when it's difficult, even when it's challenging and none of it makes sense to me. Help me to trust you when everything's going right and going good. Help me not to take a proudful, boastful appearance that I think that I've arrived. See, it works in both good and bad, in the challenging and in the blessings. Our faith is critical to how we live each and every day. So when you think of your life, I challenge you, don't look at this life here and now as it. There is something greater coming. And we will get together and we will rejoice. Next Sunday, we're going to proclaim loud and proud of our God and our risen Savior. Not only because we have that privilege of doing it now, but because we look forward to his coming again and we get to be with him forever and ever and ever. Isn't that awesome? I'm glad nobody sat in the front row this morning. <clears throat> what a great privilege that we have to live out our faith. And I encourage you, when you start to doubt, when you start to wonder, Come back to the Hebrews chapter 11 here and see these characters of faith who can strengthen our faith, who God can use to help us to see that we get to receive these great promises. Lord, we thank you for your goodness in our life. We're not worthy to receive these. We're not worthy to receive Jesus as our Savior. You tell us that we were in total opposition of you. Lord, we weren't just neutral. We were enemies of yours. And even while we were enemies of yours, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, died for us. What love. 
that is. That someone would die for their enemies. Lord, we know that we are much more than enemies. We, having accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are now called your children. And you desire that all would come to know you. That all would receive the promise of eternal life. And Lord, I wonder if there's anyone sitting here today, someone listening online, who's not yet received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today they would do that. They would cry out to you. They would admit that they have a sin condition, a problem, that they've missed the mark of your holy perfection. And that the only way that they can make that the relationship can be made right with you, Lord, is through the blood of Jesus and accepting that Jesus died on our behalf. He hung on a cross. He gave his life. He was buried in a tomb. And three days later, he rose again. Conquering sin and death. Defeating the very thing that made us an enemy of yours. Lord, as we think of our faith, I'm pretty sure most of us, as we are your children, we desire to be a great character of faith, and yet we struggle. Lord, that's the beauty of looking at these characters. Lord, none of them are perfect. Many of them had faults. How could Samson be listed in this group of characters of faith when we know his background and we know how he lived? And yet he had a great faith in you. Lord, may that encourage our very soul that even though we may have failed and even though it's challenging and it's difficult at times, Lord, you are still faithful and you still desire to use broken and warped people. You desire to allow your spirit to work through us that in spite of us, others may see the true and living God. What a great privilege, Lord, that is. What a great privilege that we've been given these promises. And we have seen, we read of the Messiah of Jesus. May that strengthen our faith. Lord, as we live out our faith this day and the days ahead, Lord, may we be willing to go where you call us to do what you tell us to do, to say what you want us to say, to be all that you want us to be. We will do that best. We will live all of that out best when we walk with you, when we abide in you. And so Lord, 
Help us in these days ahead to make sure that we're setting time aside to meet with you each day. To open up your word and to read it and study it. To pray and listen and to talk with you. To enjoy the relationship that's right there at our fingertips. Help us to understand how blessed we really are. And in that blessing, may it strengthen and encourage our faith. Thank you for this body that you've given us that we can gather together, living our faith, proclaiming the truth and who God is together. Lord, what a joy it is to worship you together here in this place, to serve you in this place and in our communities. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to strengthen us, strengthen this church, that we may keep at the foremost what is of most importance, and that is living our lives, lives of faith, honoring you, bringing glory to you, allowing you to do as you desire in each one of us. Help us to be obedient to you. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.